Take one. Lights. Camera. Action. My grandpa killed a man-eating lion. It's thirty days has September, right? So it was the thirtieth of September. First time I saw the future, I was eight years old. It happened in Moscow, Russia, then the Soviet Union. Do you believe in ghosts? I was in the metro on a Saturday morning. I had already canceled on myself about half a dozen times. I thought I I got it. I've got to go. We have all got a Hong Kong story. A reason why we are lucky enough to call this slightly smoggy, frantically glorious city home. Hi, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 23rd October 2019 Hong Kong Stories podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. It takes a lot of work to put our storytelling shows together, and we couldn't do it without the support of the community we live in. This city has a spirit that's held us up, helped us to stay afloat, and given us the courage to persist. Sometimes our experiences are not so good as well, but that too is fodder for our stories. And today, as we listen to Giselle's story, we will be thinking about where we draw our line and what we do about it next. This week, instead of a second story, I've thrown in a small audio clip of an unknown audience member doing what many of us have done: goofing about with the microphone when you think it isn't on. Before we get to today's stories, though, a huge and grateful thank you goes out, as always, to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. We appreciate you taking time out of your lives to listen to our stories. Greetings go out this week to listeners around the world as well, particularly those in La Salle and Conception Bay in Canada, Janshu in Finland, and Faenza in Italy. Thanks for letting our stories into your ears. Our next show is tonight at the Fringe Club, hosted by the talented Mel. We will have eight storytellers up on stage with the stories they've been working on all month. There are still a few tickets available, and may even be some at the door. For links to the ticketing and to avoid any disappointment, go to HongKongStories.com. On Friday afternoon, we'll have a special show: our very first student story slam. We've invited students from all over Hong Kong to write and perform their own stories, and as the stories roll in, we've been impressed. To find more information, go to the website HongKongStories.com. And now, from our April 2019 show with the theme "Transitions," here is Giselle. At the interview for my first full-time job, I asked the HR manager what advice he would offer fresh grads. You know the standard question. He said. Commit to your job for at least a year. It's a long time for youngsters these days. I didn't get the job in the end, but that advice stuck. Like, surely I'm not those millennials who jump from job to job every few months. And with my degree in art management, I soon got hired at a contemporary art gallery. One month later, I quit. You see, at that job, I had to chit-chat with clients and discreetly look around their apartments just so my now former boss could pretend that he knew about their tastes. 
I thought I studied for knowledge on event planning and the ethics of collecting art. I didn't know that I was gonna be a spy. A long month after working at that gallery, a smooth old man came in. He looked exactly like Gru from the cartoon Despicable Me, with his pointy nose and his fat tummy. So let's just call him that. Gru told me that he owned this family business selling antiques, and that his collection was so huge it was more like a museum than a shop. He eventually offered me to work for him instead. So I thought about how refreshing it would be to finally make use of my skills, and that's how I landed my current job. Soon after working for Gru. I found myself in deep waters. I thought that my first job was unethical enough. Turns out that this second job wasn't any better. However, I decided to stick through it because one, I couldn't afford to piss off more employers in this tiny field. Two, even if I get another job, is every job in art management a freak show? <laughs> And three. I'm so not a millennial. I can totally keep a job for more than a year. But no, honestly, it was so hard. I looked up in exasperation and I saw God. Oh, Father, my Father, the Father of modern acting, Konstantin Stanislavski. Stanislavski taught his students how to bring a character to life by asking seven questions. The first question: Who am I? The second, where am I? So on and so on until the actor fully understands the psyche of the character. So to keep my job, I asked, "Who am I?" I decided my work name would be Hannah, because of Hannah Montana. <laughs> you know the show where the actress Miley she lived the best of both worlds, being both a student and a rock star. But honestly, she's just a two-faced bitch. <laughs> I would be Hannah. And I would be a umpa lumpa who aspires to give everyone the best shopping experience ever. I would represent the gallery, which was Tracey, Tracemart, Ergo. I could be calm and collected, regardless of whatever I was told to do in this circus. For example, when Gru brought up the topic of his certificates, Gru was obsessed with printing certificates for everything he sold. He would make his employees write up descriptions with Wikipedia references, and he would sign on those certificates of of authenticity. Every few hours, he go, "Where are my certificates? I expected you to have printed thousands of it for me to sign." In moments like this, I wanted to walk out the gallery like a diva, going full on reverse Oprah on people, like, "Oh, honey, you're not gonna get that. <laughs> oh no, don't get this." But the Hannah in me simply took a deep breath and said, "Sure, I'll work on it." Even when Gru asked me to write a description on a jar that was a replica made in the 80s, Gru said, "Write that it's from the Ming Dynasty." <sighs> sure, boss. I said, thinking if I should report this guy to the police before I get arrested for fraud. After adding descriptions like how it is a museum quality piece and how it used to belong to emperors, Gru finally took another sip of his whiskey. This guy, Gru, was always drunk. Like who the fuck drinks three bottles of red wine and one bottle of whiskey during work hours in just three days? Anyway, before this unpredictable drunk tyrant left me alone, he said, 
an important client will be coming in tomorrow. You shouldn't speak to him at all. Just show him the certificate while I show him the jar, and let's see if we can take some more money out of this guy. At this point, I was already planning to donate my money to charity to make up for being this accessory of his crime. But still, I said, "Sure, yes," like the perfect employee Hannah was. The next day, this client came in his nice car and his driver, and at around 5 p.m., Gru left the room. So I was there collecting their dirty plates and their wine glasses, and this client asked me, "Have you had lunch yet?" I was hangry, so I said, "No, I haven't. But I'm used to waiting for the boss till he finishes his lunch before having mine, so it's totally fine. Like totally." <laughs> And then this client said, "Would you tell me if you know that these antiques are problematic?" I was like, "Wow, what a question, sir." Hannah would have told this client to speak directly to Gru, just as instructed. But when I was trying to summon the Hannah in me, I paused at Stanislavski's first question. You know, like that pencil that disappears while you are so into the process of writing, that you just focus on the words instead of the fact that you are controlling a pencil. Sometimes I get so into acting that when I finally realize my action of masking and unmasking, I questioned, "Who exactly am I?" I decided to kill off the character Hannah. I told the client, "I wouldn't buy it if I were you." Stanislavski would be very disappointed in the actress in me. But I believe that he would be proud of how I handled this whole dramatic tension, because in the end, Hannah stopped showing up to work. The real me, Giselle, she decided to take over this toxic workplace. I quit my job after eight months of working for Gru. I didn't have to wait for a year to know that I'm no good at my job, because you see, in the end, that client, he returned. All the items that he was gonna buy. So, but if I were ever to get a job in retail again, I would probably go by the name Miley, who came in like a wrecking ball, <laughs> because I am so fucking done with this shit. We all have that moment when we realize we're done. And we're glad Giselle survived hers. We have a little clip for you now from one of our shows. You see, we have had instances in the past where our tech team has forgotten to turn the recorder on after the break, or something else has happened. So we just have the habit of leaving it on and slicing out the background chatter of the crowd when we go to edit. Every once in a while, though, someone gets in front of the mic and has a go, and of course, it gets recorded as well. This is one of those times. Thanks, random audience member, for giving us a little laugh. <laughs> You'll never get me on a mic. <laughs> Only if it's singing. Are you the only? Only if it's karaoke. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's on. Yeah, la la la. It's on, you know. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to today's story brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was created and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell. <laughs>